You are listening to another Always Moto production. The Always Moto Podcast with your host, David Hogan. This show contains information about injuries to riders competing in AMA Supercross, AMA Motocross, MXGP, Ozpro MX, and other international moto events. The information discussed may be unsettling to some listeners. It might be incomplete or based on medical opinions due to riders tending to hide the details of their injuries. We are here to explain the information and increase injury understanding and visibility for the fans. There might be coarse language and the odd stuff up along the way. If any of this offends you, turn us off right now. That's right, Moto fans, I'm not a doctor, but I am a physiotherapist, and this is episode 47 of the Always Moto podcast. As always, I'm your host, David Hogan, the Australian physiotherapist. We will be joined during the show by the Always Moto contractor, Big Ben. I don't know what's happened, unfortunately, he's still waiting to be paid. I don't know what's happened to that check. Anyways, this is the Always Moto podcast, and we are in the depths of the clinic throwing strapping tape anywhere it will stick. That's what a physio does. I've been told many a times. Apparently, there's nothing else to it. As always on the show, we'll be going through all things moto, particularly the injuries in our sport because hashtag injuries are a part of moto and that is pretty much as prominent as now as it has ever been with all the injuries on this list in the emergency department that you'll hear later in the show. This week on the show, we'll be talking super motocross and the very light field um, that that emerged from the East Coast Supercross there for the 250 guys. Uh, we'll be talking always moto fantasy, the emergency department league, uh, league the emergency department from um, Houston, uh, and what is heading into Tampa this week. But as always, bringing you the show today is Polar Australia. Polar Australia and their incredible range of activity tracking and heart rate monitors. From the H10 chest strap and their top-of-the-line GPS multi-sport watch, the Polar Grit X Pro. I've got it here on the wrist, guys and girls. It's almost impossible to get lost with this thing out on the trails. And it's perfect for doing automatic laps, uh, getting your lap times on the moto uh, when without somebody standing there with a pit board. So you can do it all by yourself with the help of this Polar Grit X Pro. Check them out. Show link. Uh, show, the link is in the show notes below. Check out Polar Australia. Also, massive thanks to Slantboard Guy. I haven't got it yet, but I've been sent some sneak pictures. I've got a very special custom board coming with an Always Moto logo on it, and I'm super, super, super pumped to get this thing. It's not quite here yet. It's in the mail. I've been sent a sneak picture. Um, so massive thanks to the guys and girls at Slantboard Guy. Uh, but the Slantboard, as you will have seen from our post this week, we've got our inspection article up on fullnoise.com.au. Please go and check it out. There is also the podcast. I think it's episode 45, I think is the numbering there, if I got that right, for the slant board inspection. Check it out. It's well worth having in your gym. And they and slant board guy also has that 10% discount on offer for Always Moto podcast listeners. You've just got to use Always Moto in lowercase at checkout. 
Uh, we do have a link to Slantboard Guys' website direct in the show notes, so please use it. It helps get us, uh, as part of the affiliate deal, it recognizes that you came from us and we get a little slice of that uh, back to us to help keep the lights on here at the Always Motor Podcast. But if you want to get those squats on point in the gym and improve that standing technique on the bike with just some stronger legs and a better range of motion for that squat, this simple piece of equipment's for you. You definitely need to get a hold of a slant board, guys, slant board. As always, we still need your support with the show direct. We've got our T-shirt merch. Um, it's available now. Please send us an email. Uh, we're going to use the new email now. It's info at alwaysmoto.com. That's right, info at alwaysmoto.com. Send us an email with T-shirt in the subject line and your size, and we'll be back to you with a payment via PayPal and the delivery details. Uh, so please do that. And while we're talking about PayPal, uh, please get on there on our uh, link in our bio or link in the show notes. Find the pay, donate at PayPal uh, option there and jump on and send us something uh, to help us support the show and help get us to a few more events this year so we can continue to bring this awesome content to you and stay in touch with everybody about all these injuries and about the happenings at the events not just here in Australia, but worldwide and particularly, obviously, the AMA ones that we talk about a lot here on the Always Moto podcast. Anyway, that's it for now. So please do all those things. Buy a shirt, send us a donation, check out Slam Ball Guy, check out Polar Australia. Enough intro talk and enough ads. Let's jump into the show. Hey, guys, this is Grant Harlan, and this is the Always Moto podcast. All right, we're in the show. We've got the contractor on the line. How are we doing this week, Benny? All right, Dave. How are you going? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Still struggling with one wing in the sling, but uh, life is tougher for others, it seems. But uh, yeah, it still sucks when you try to do something in your two hands. <laughs> yeah, well, the uh, one wing with a sling, that sounds like that could be a drop. Oh. <laughs> actually, that's not bad, actually. I need to clip that later. I'll have to write that down. Anyway, how was, uh, how was your fantasy week? I, I feel like it was bad. Yeah, it was bad. We'll get into it, but uh, that last lap, last corner explosion just uh, just killed me. So um, we'll get into it. <laughs> well, Houston was a pretty good round, honestly. Like for just the, I felt the track was pretty good. Um, the action was pretty good. It just seemed to hit a few people with our fantasy scores. That seemed to, they all seemed to suck this week, or at least a few people went the other way than they were probably hoping to. But it was a good round. Um, I didn't see too many troubles with uh, Race Day Live this week, which was interesting. Um, there was one spot where they lost the sound, so that was all right. But um, I didn't get to watch the whole thing. And I actually had to watch the races afterwards, add some stuff on. But um, it was good to see Hunter come out with a win. It was. And um, it almost could have been at the back of the line for him with uh, VL pushing him wide on that jump and ran down behind the hay bales, but luckily um, he pulled it together and just slipped back in and, yeah, then ended up taking the win. It's funny that one, eh? Like that could have been a hospital bed or survive and win the race and he got the survive and win the race. So it sort of reminds me, if you hear it on all those other other shows and in you, you read it in the other media articles where they say about, you know, the guy that wins the championship, it doesn't matter sort of what happens to him in that year, but it's just their year. No, you know, nothing really can, can get them. And maybe that was the first sign of it for, for Hunter. He's just destined and that was, you know, he was going to make it out of that no matter what sort of thing. Yeah. And, and like you said, it's uh, when, it, yeah, when it's your year, it's your year. And yeah, hopefully that's, um, 
hopefully that's what's going to happen. But he, once he was passed, you know, he just rode away and did similar to what his brother does, just, you know, just cruise along. And in, I don't know whether he had a little bit more, like if someone had a challenged him, whether he was just, like I said, cruising or what. But, yeah, it was just nice out front and took it easy and, yeah, it's good. It did look easy, but I think like he's definitely got speed. The The question mark will be if he has those sort of inconsistent starts like Hunter can do at times. That's when we have to see if he's able to still, you know, if he's got more speed and reserve that he can go past people or not, or if he, if that sort of slows him down. But so far, so good. I can't can't fault what he did last weekend. Yeah, and I, I was going to pick him for FFL, and I didn't because I just, like you said, I can't, just can't trust his starts. Um, but yeah, he was right up there, which is good. Yeah, so and it's on the good start. How was Vial off the line? Like he, he didn't get the actual hole shot, I don't think, but his first couple of corners there was pretty impressive to get himself into the front and then lead two laps. That was pretty awesome for the guy that's uh, an MXGP specialist. Yeah, no, I don't think uh, anyone was expecting that, um, but apparently he's, he's been a good starter over in the MXGPs, but, yeah, it's a little bit different over here, um, but... Yeah, I definitely didn't expect it, that's for sure. No, it was a bit of a shocker, but it was pretty cool to see, to be honest. Like, I didn't expect him to even be sort of top five, and for him to be running around, he probably should have pulled him if it wasn't for that mistake at the end of the race. It was pretty impressive to see him just hold that that spot there. So it be interesting to see if that gives him confidence and, you know, he's worked on a few things this week and he's actually – I think he's going to be a podium guy, you know, this week or next sort of thing. Like, he's he's got to be close from what he showed at that first round there. Yeah, uh, he had a big crash in practice or qualifying in the whoops, and I think that's that's not his strongest point. So if there's a track that has a big set of whoops, which I think this week there is a nice set, uh, he might struggle in those. But if there's a track that has uh, a smaller set, he might be able to get away with it and not lose so much time there. Yeah, I, I hear you, but I feel like you know how Marvin never really got that rid of that tag of he's not good in the whoops from from just you know from the whole time he's been in the US. I feel like Vial's someone who actually could overcome that. Like he he's gonna get past that point. Like he looked so damn good already, and it's only been what three four months that he's been doing Supercross. I feel like now that he's done it once in a race, I feel he would just pick it up, you know, and improve on it really quickly. I don't think it's going to be a heel, you know, an Achilles heel for him for too long. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think, yeah, once you have a, gets a few more races under his belt at race pace going through them and, you know, at the test track, they can break up and, you know, get running. However, it happens at the track, but once it comes race weekend, they just completely, they're a different uh, a different beast. So once he sort of gets the hang of how they chop up in a week, like on a weekend, I think he'll be right. Yeah, definitely, definitely. He'll be, he'll be much better. I just think the more exposure to more tracks, like the more races he does, he's going to obviously be on more tracks with different builds of these whoops and the, tra- the track in general, and he'll just, he'll, he'll just get that experience and he'll be, he'll be good to go. And speaking of other rookies, Hayden Deegan was a bit of an impressive one for this first week at, at Houston. He was, and it all started in qualifying, uh, practice and qualifying, and it didn't take long for the uh, videos to hit the socials of him nearly dragging bars around the, 
that one berm that he just went nearly, you know, looked like he was just going flat out on. Um, but no, he did well. Didn't, um, you know, did he fall off in the race or not? I don't think so. I don't think he did. I uh, think he was one of the few that didn't. So there was a, there was yeah. a few, you know, sort of, was it after Ansty didn't and Hunter didn't, but everybody else sort of back that way did, it seemed like. Jeremy Martin fell off at one point. Jordan Smith fell off at one point. I think I'm not sure if Hymas did or not, but I think he went backwards at least. So whether it was a crash or not, I can't remember. But um, yeah, there was a bunch of them in that sort of five to eight range that were <laughs> going down. Yeah, so he d- he did a good job, um, you know, to finish fourth. I think it was. Uh, I definitely didn't expect that. Um, a lot of haters were hoping that that wouldn't happen because <laughs> um, it's just been a, the biggest talking point for the last, you know, few months. And then after last weekend, he had the crash. Well, sorry, the weekend before, he had the crash in the futures. And, you know, it's we don't want to see that. Um, and, you know, all these people hating are just, you know, wasting their time. But he did a good job. Um, we'll just have to see where he ends up this weekend and see, you know, whether he can keep it that way or um, whether some mistakes creep in. And uh, But, you know, it's his first year. So mm. he's a rookie and I'm spewing that I didn't pick him for fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> you and everybody who didn't, I think. So it, he won't be as uh, useful this time around because he's now an all-star. So anyway... But, uh, yeah, we'll have to see if he can repeat and replicate what he did at round one at, you know, the rest of the season or not, or if he has those inconsistent rookie-type races. We'll have to see how that plays out. And then the main event for the 450s, we had Ferrandis down, unfortunately causing a red flag there. Interesting for me watching this as a, you know, a health professional and, and seeing that he was down for quite a while, like with the coverage that we get when they, when they go to the ad breaks on the, in the US, we get to see just that, that long shot of the stadium and, and you get to see what's happening. And obviously, we could see the medical crew and stuff still there. And he was on the ground and they didn't move him for quite some time. And even by the time they come back from the ad breaks, he'd only sort of just gotten moving at that point. And I had a little, you know, chuckle to myself about the whole neck brace, but he's standing up and walking to the to the mule situation. I, I couldn't quite understand that one for, for myself, but did, did you have any thoughts on that, Benny, about, you know, did that look odd to you as a just a general, you know, fan, spectator watching that section of, you know, the brace and the, him walking? Well, normally when you end up in a neck brace, you end up still laying on the ground and then being put onto a board. And yeah, they, they, well, that's what happened with me. I broke my arm and they still put me in one and, you know, (laughs) there was no problem with my neck, but they still put me in one. Um, and that, yeah, I was straight on a board and straight into the back of the ambulance. But yeah, for him to, when they panned across to it and he was up walking, but they were still holding the neck brace on, I, um, I thought, oh, I thought Dave's going to love this come uh, <laughs> come podcast time. Mate, but, yeah, uh, I wasn't real sure how that works. Yeah, I had one eyebrow raised and I was like, you know, WTF? Like, hold on, this doesn't look right. Because as soon as one, – one, there's a couple of things here, right? Like, one, if he's out cold, when he comes to, he's not making good decisions at that point, right? Two, if you've felt bad enough that you've got to go for the neck brace and you've already got a backboard there with you and the mule there with you and you get the neck brace on – I'm going the whole hog. I'm just covering all bases. I've got all the stuff there. I've got the time. They've red flagged the race. There's no you know, urgency to get out of the way, so there's no 
you know, danger to, to me as the medic or, you know, the mule getting hit or something like that. So take the time, put him on the board. Don't listen to him if he's talking something, you know, telling you he's fine. He's just knocked his head. He probably can't tell if he's fine or not. Just put him on the board and get him out of there that way. It's be 10 times safer and then you don't have to have the bloke sitting there backwards on the mule holding his head as he's walking off, you know, as they're driving off too because he, he's laying down, you know. Jeez, it just, there, was a, there was a comedy of errors for me. Yeah, I didn't really understand it, but it, um, yeah, like I said, I raised the eyebrows as well, and yeah, you don't normally see it, but I don't know, they're, they're the professionals, they're the ones who dealt with it, so they must have had a reason. There's something for me, when I look at those things at times, and it's not just in that scenario, but like all other times when I'm talking to these guys about the treatments that they're getting outside of the race day just at you know normal sort of clinics chiro clinics physio clinics you know whatever they're going to and the stuff they say at times and i'm like they have a really different view of how you know the the health system works and and the treatments that they should be doing and stuff like i don't know there just seems to be a different process over in the u.s compared to what we you know what we get taught here and and how the how how much more finer detail we go into with you know protecting different things and they just it's all different over there obviously but um yeah it just still makes me look at stuff sideways and be like eh, that doesn't look right so it's an interesting one but that one just caught my eye because it was pretty obvious like that was just for anybody watching they're probably all were looking with one eye, eyebrow raise going that doesn't seem like the good idea so anyway but we'll talk more about his concussion and stuff in the uh, emergency department section later on. We've got a bit of a concussion discussion going on in there. So uh, we'll, we'll catch up with that later on. In other news, but a um, bit of a fill-in ride been announced this week. Uh, Matt Moss, uh, our Aussie guy, is going to Barak Suzuki. I kind of, I don't know where I heard it, but I heard that he was over there looking around for a ride and obviously landed with the Barak's guys. It's pretty good for Mossy, I think. Yeah, well, he's had a pretty good, uh, you know, he had a good Supercross season and then he went to Supercross in Paris and he won that. Um, World Supercross, I think he might have had a few crashes there. He did which okay in a couple won. of them, but yeah. not good in the others. And it, I, I generally think from that, from that time that World Supercross kicked off, He's had like a bit of a career resurgence, I feel, you know, like just with the, all the stuff that's now behind him. He's really had a big kick along recently, obviously winning that Newcastle round as well. I know Brayton had bike issues that night, but he won that round. Obviously, like you just said, he won um, uh, Prince of Bercy on the 250. He's had a pretty good run here recently. Yeah, and then, you know, he was only, I think, or well, when I went to Wagga, he was only two points away from winning the title, ended up only two points away from winning the title. I, I think that's how close it was. And, you know, the crowd were just going absolutely nuts for him in Wagga. I don't know about Newcastle, but, yeah, just, you know, he said he was going to come back and he was going to win. And I think he's done just that, especially now with, um, you know, the ride over there. I don't think he probably ever expected that to happen again. So um, it'll be good to have another Aussie over in the AMA and, um, you know, it's been a while since he's been over there, but he should, um, on the West Coast, he should do all right, I think. Yeah, I think that, that West Coast dirt would suit him, be more familiar for him, you know, compared for our Aussie rounds as well. It's that more hard pack sort of surface. So I don't see why he couldn't do quite well. Obviously, the field's thinned out as well with a few injuries already. So he, um, yeah, he should do, should do reasonably well, especially on 250. Um, can't see why he wouldn't do do good you know straight off the bat so 
as long as he gets comfortable on that bike, I think it's the main thing. But we were we were meant to get him recorded with a little um, interview this afternoon, but he was stuck at dinner for a bit longer. So we're hoping to catch him tomorrow. So we're not going to have him in this podcast. We're going to have a little special edition chat, hopefully uh, out a day or so later, uh, where we just chat to Mossy about this ride and what he's doing. And yeah, hopefully we can catch up with him shortly. But yeah, good news for Matt Moss. All right. Um, some interesting finds this weekend. Did, did you notice the other couple of finds? Obviously, there's the one, um, <laughs> I can't help myself, but the penalty um, that was put out there. Somebody else used that somewhere, and I just I laughed so hard. It was a penalty. Um, I can't remember who it was. Sorry. I'd, I'd, t- I'd say where it was, but I can't remember who it was. It was somewhere on Twitter, I'm pretty sure. But, um, yeah, AC got a bit of a, a sneaky little fine there for not being able to hold his uh, you-know-what for too much longer. He was busting at the seams by the sounds of it, so that was interesting. Yeah, and, and the same thing happened to uh, Malcolm Stewart last year. I can't remember what round it was, but yeah, and then they all like, uh, you know, I guess nervous wheeze have got to, got to happen before they get to the start line. And I think there's only one or two portaloos in the, in the tunnel and I just don't think he could hold it and um, I, got caught. I think it was on one of the race recaps. It was Pulp or Vital. And I think they said that it was actually between – like when the red flag, so like between the restart, that they were all queued up. So, you know, that one's kind of hard because that's even a smaller type time frame. They just – clearly they need to put some more um, loo accesses for the guys to, to go to. Like they obviously need a bathroom nearby so that they can actually go, not just one or two port Like there's 22 guys and obviously they're all going to want to pee at that point, aren't they? So – you're just making it you you're asking for them to do what they've you know what ac had to do there so yeah yeah and i you know fair enough like i understand it but you know if there's not enough then what do you do you know and i know it's not the right thing to do but you know these guys are all you know nerves are there and they got to go and you know you might just need to look into getting a few more maybe but yeah. I don't know. Yeah, what are you going to do? I get. I I think. I think the easy thing is just have it have like at least six of the damn things, if not ten. So you at least get almost half the field in in there and you know out, and that way it's only sort of a three minute thing for for the whole field rather than twenty minutes. You know. So anyway, see what happens with that. But yeah, just an interesting one there. The other couple of fines, I think you you might have seen the one for for A Ray. He got fined for um his off track speeding in the LCQ. But I don't know if you would have seen, there was two more and they were for both um, the podium guys from the 250. It was Hunter Lawrence and Max Dancy. Both didn't take their bikes to the impound straight after the event. They were late getting there. So they both got fined for that. I thought that was an interesting one. Yeah, I didn't see that, but um, that is interesting. Um, I don't know if that was because... um, that they were well apparently whoever it was protested both uh honda and well both honda and they're both hondas but they're the firepower honda and then the hrc honda reckoning that or anstey's bike was a 280 and not a 250 yeah that was a, uh, rumor was a bit of I've talk been, about that been but hearing. that was just a rumor it didn't actually get protested apparently so anyway yeah so i don't know whether you know because it was rumored uh, that's that's where the rumor came from or what i don't know but yeah that's interesting yeah i've found there's actually a spot you can check it out um on the ama site that where they put up the weekly penalties so it's interesting to keep track of them because there's some 
things week to week that you don't notice and those two things being late to the you know late to the impound is is something that doesn't really get talked about too much but yeah it's part of the sport they they obviously missed something that they needed to and yeah they got in trouble for it so yeah something they'll probably trying to be avoiding i think it was a thousand dollar fine or something so nothing nothing not too cheap but obviously the team's probably paying that one so that'll be all good all right, let's jump into an injury chat bit here. Um, not our emergency department, but just some some interesting info that I, I we've got, and obviously we're gonna we'll just quickly touch on the Andrew Short crash as well. Um, Shorty, unfortunately, he was at the Houston Supercross. There was some stuff on Instagram. He was there, and then the next morning had a bit of a crash himself out out riding and managed to break his T seven, eight, and nine, break a rib. Uh, and bruise a lung, and he's unfortunately had to have surgery on those vertebrae fractures. He's ended up with 10 screws. So doesn't seem the end. You can crash any time. It doesn't mean you only crash when you're a pro. You can crash when you're retired from racing as well, and um, hopefully, you know, Shorty gets better quickly, and, and, you know, best wishes to him and the family, but hopefully he can get out of hospital. I know I know how that feels, being stuck in hospital for a few days at the moment. Um, it's not a good thing, and, um, yeah, just hopefully he gets gets better quickly. Yeah, well, he just travelled, you know, travelled the world doing the Dakar with um, as Molly Taylor's navigator. Uh, she's Australian, and um, and then yeah, was at the Supercross on the weekend, and now he's stuck in a yeah. <laughs> stuck in a hospital. So it changes very quickly. Yeah, life comes at you quick sometimes, and yeah, then it slows right down until the doctors say so. So yeah, it's um, a bit of a shitty situation for for Andrew, but yeah, hopefully he gets well quickly. Um, on to some ACL talk again. Now, ACL obviously being the main ligament that these guys are tearing in their knees. I brought it up on a few shows back about the beginnings of the season being the point when these ACLs are at their weakest and most vulnerable to getting torn. And it sort of went to went to straight to, to truth with, with Austin Faulkner on that first race, unfortunately for Austin. Um, but I thought I'd bring it up again with Nick Romano because he actually hasn't been racing yet and he hadn't started his season and he also had a little period where he was off the bike for a couple of weeks. So he had to then come back and build fitness and everything back up and then obviously tore it, tore the ACL before he actually got to the races. So it kind of, in a different manner, proved the same point that this early point in the year is when these ACLs are most vulnerable. And for Nick, it's really bad timing, given we're already into February and heading towards the middle of February. He's going to be out for quite a long time and... And in his update, he's pretty much out for the whole year. By the time he gets back to six months minimum sort of thing for being back on the bike, it's just going to screw his whole season. So he might not actually be back on a racetrack until 2024. But, yeah, just bad timing with these ACLs. And I'm not sure if anyone's really thinking about that when they're doing these training sessions and stuff and if they've actually considered some specific ACL loading tasks. But it doesn't actually take too much to do it. But I did look it up just so we had a number involved here benny and it's there's actually a bit of force that goes through the knee to get these uh acls to to tear it's the acl can actually take 226 kilograms of force before it'll actually rupture it's a fair bit yeah that's a ridiculous amount of force especially you know and that's that's on your acl but yeah i guess everything else within the knee as well well we say to people as in the clinic like you know when you when you stand up, you know that's body weight, right? But when you actually start to run, you put four to ten times your body weight through your knee, 
So, you know, it's not obviously directly just on the ACL, but it's through the whole structure. So there's obviously a lot more weight there in that circumstance of running. But when you actually just do that little shift of the knee and it causes the tibia to slide, that's when that 226 comes into play and, and that's what the ACL can sustain. But, yeah, it'll um, pop after that. So everyone's slightly different, but that's the general area that they'll they'll be okay to. But after that, they'll, they'll t- rupture. So, yeah, it's just... It seems to be just a common theme. The the stats that I've got for the injuries lately, the ACLs tend to happen at the beginning of the year. It just seems to be how it is. Yeah, and that's um, that's what the second one, third one. That's yeah, that's three at least, I think. Well, we got um, Faulkner, Mookie, and Romano, and I'm I can't remember. I think that's it. But yeah, I'll have to double check that one. But yeah, we're at three. We normally sort of get about five to six in supercross so unfortunately there's probably one or two more that are going to come and join this list here before too long and i say that because what i just said they're probably going to happen in the next two to three weeks because if they don't then we then that'll be the end of them they'll be all fine sort of thing until until we have a break and then we start motocross and we might see one or two in that first week so yeah and not not good <laughs> no not at all and we don't want any more uh we don't want any more people out. <laughs> no, the list is long already, eh? So, yeah, the emergency department's taken way too long to get through <laughs> as a segment on the show. But anyway, <laughs> now let's move out of this part of it. Um, you've got down a comment here, sand doesn't belong on a supercross track. I beg to differ, but what do you say? I'm not a fan. That, that corner on the weekend was... I don't know. It just didn't need to be there. I don't think it's, you know, I can do all right with maybe the straight with some, you know, rollers in it like we've got this weekend. But in general, I think they can just leave the sand out. Uh, See, I I personally like those little funny little sections like the sand sections, especially when I've had tracks that I've done with them being involved, it, it just sort of changes everything up. And the reason I don't care for it is because these guys are meant to be the best of the best. If they can't do it, it makes it interesting for everybody else. So it's an entertainment side of things. It's good for the fans. And and I did, I liked it as a rider. Yeah, I fell off him a couple of times and I probably cursed about it, but it's, um, it's part of the track. You learn to get around it and it, it creates a talking point. Look at what happened to Sexton this week compared to Tomac. Tomac figured it out. Sexton didn't. Changed the whole race. Yeah, and he tried outside, inside, and he couldn't work it out. Um, there was, I think that's what actually led to A Ray's off track excursion where he uh, sped off up the side because uh, I think he nearly came off and just shot him across out there. But yeah, you know, it does. It creates a talking point. But, and, you know, that's where you can win or lose a race. But, yeah, I don't know. For me, like I think it, they eh? can give it a miss. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Everyone's allowed to have their opinion, but uh, yeah, I, I like it. So yeah, we'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll go with different ways on this one. <laughs> um, you've got down here too. Now I didn't stick to this, but the quote quote from the last episode was that I was picking Chiz over Norrin, and that didn't end well for us. But funnily enough, I didn't actually end up picking either of them for uh the uh, for the for fantasy in the end i managed to avoid that whole three-way scenario they had going on there at the end of the lcq yeah i listened back to it today and i just uh, i couldn't remember what your team was but 
I um, you got more points than me, so I figured that you didn't have either of them. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I just had to laugh. You were like, I think I'd pick Cheese over Naren because I'd be worried about Naren making it, and then Cheese takes Naren out. <laughs> It's a pretty good call, wasn't it? Like, yeah, I was worried about Noren making it. But I didn't expect Chiz to be tarpooning him in the middle of the last corner. I thought Chiz would have qualified out of the heats. But anyway, uh, but yeah. we. And the worst the worst part was they went away from it. They didn't even show the corner. They had to show on the replay what happened. I know. I was, it was funny because I, I was, wasn't watching live. I was sort of skipping through. I was, it was getting late that late on that Sunday night for us. And I'm like, oh, I just, I'll watch the mains and then I'll watch the rest later. Um, during the week, which I ended up, you know, watching the LCQs on the Monday or whatever. And I'm fast forwarding through and I see this like flash of a replay and somebody hits somebody. I'm like, no, I've got to go back. What the fuck happened there? <laughs> and I'm like watching it. I'm like, I'm going to go back another lap here. I want to see how they got to this. And then they cut out of it from the, from the coverage to watch the guy go over. I can't remember who won that, but they watched him go over the finish line to win. And I'm like, no, you should not have done that. <laughs> Yeah, they should have stuck with it, and they, they, I don't know, they always do it. They know in an LCQ that, like, especially when a crowd's going crazy, that, you know, something's going on. If one person's just going to jump the finish line and he's fine, don't worry about it. We know who's winning. Like, we know who's won. Show us, you know, show us where the action is. Yeah, surely they can... Um... Well, they can do that picture in a picture. Put the guy on the, you know, on the finish line in the small box and keep the action on the big screen. Or, or surely they can record. They've got multiple cameras around the place. They can record the camera that's going the guy over the finish line and put that as the replay. You know, when they're coming back from the ad or something, to say, look, here he is before they interview him. Here's the here he is crossing the finish line. Nobody cares. Everybody knows he can make the jump. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but it was pretty interesting to watch that. That that end of that event, the end of that that LCQ race was just a, it was mind blowing to be honest. But anyway, I hope that happens every week. That would be awesome. Maybe not with the same three we, guys, we, but you know. Yeah, we all we all want it to happen. But yeah, if your if your team's involved in it, you don't want a bar of it. Exactly. <laughs> I was just stoked that I already had my eight by that point. The only one that I didn't get straight out of the heats to get my eight from the heats is Bliss. I, I missed out on Cody Shock when he hit that wall. So I had to watch the LCQ for him to make sure he got in and he did, which was awesome. But um, yeah, I had my eight, so I was, I was fine to miss that one. <laughs> yeah, he's very lucky. That could have ended a lot worse than what it did. Oh yeah, definitely. He got away with that one, but he probably, he probably was due some luck after the bad luck that he's had with injuries over the last year or so. So yeah, he got away with that one finally. All right, let's talk Fantasy League. Always Moto Fantasy League on the Pulp MX game. Uh, our league is now closed. We're in the East Coast swing, people. The league is closed. Uh, but I've got a little note here for our Aussie players. because uh, I've got something in the works that might be turning up here shortly. Uh, if you are an Aussie player of Fantasy, send me a DM and I'll give you the special password to get yourself into the league still. So there's... A way in, but you've got to message me direct so that you can get in. It's closed to everybody else now. But we've got 110 players in the league, which is awesome. We set ourselves a goal of 100, I think it was, um, what, a couple of weeks before the season, wasn't it, Benny, when we kicked this off? Yeah, it was, it was before like... before Christmas we said we wanted to get wanted to get to 100. And, yeah, we did it, I think, before the second race, yeah. well, third race, whatever yeah. you want to like call it. like 97 when we, when we had the first race. So, yeah, we pretty much did it. So that's awesome. Thanks for the support out there, guys and girls. We really appreciate you jumping in the league. 
We're going to set some uh, prize weekends here shortly. Um, we've got some two two places, maybe three, that I'm still t- working on on some extra bits and pieces. So we'll um, keep those in the in the back wings for now. But um, we've got on board at this stage for our some overall prizes. And we're going to have a couple of individual prizes here. Coastal Motorcycle Centre, um, Goat Brand MX, Thor MX Australia, Michelin Australia, Ringmaster Images and Helltech Australia. So um, good sponsors on board. We're going to have the prizes coming out here shortly for um, you know the different rounds and some random positions. They won't just be for the firsts. Uh, but you've got to have to be following those pages and you've got to have sent me an email to fantasy at alwaysmoto.com with your pulp name and your Instagram. If you don't have Instagram, maybe your, your Facebook, at least an email with your with your pulp name so I can get a hold of you. If you haven't done that, you're not eligible for prizes. So make sure you do that because if I find your name as the winner of a prize and I look you up and I don't have you on my little spreadsheet, you're not getting a prize. Don't care what you say. <laughs> Harsh but fair. Right, Benny? <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly right. And, you know, I was a benefactor of that last year, so yeah, <laughs> I won't complain. That but was yeah, before that's we right. brought you in as the contractor. So, yeah, you, you, you benefited from somebody not returning or couldn't find them and not playing, following the rules by registering and all that sort of stuff. So it's not hard. It doesn't cost you anything. It's just your email. I don't, you know, it's not like we're going to going to do anything with it. We might send you an email and say, hey, have you joined the, joined the league next year? But that's about it. So, um but yeah, that's what we got to do, people, to be eligible for prizes. Now, if you want to talk fantasy with myself or Benny, uh, feel free to send Ben a, an email at the contractor at alwaysmoto.com or his um, Instagram at grino22. Um, or you can hit me up with the Always Moto Instagram page. Um, just send us a DM uh, and we can um, chat and bullshit about our teams. And the one thing that we've got to do here, and we're going to add to these prizes here, we've got a special one that's coming for the person who's using that hashtag, the Always Moto Fantasy League, on their team posts or any of the posts that they put up to do with fantasy, put that hashtag on it. We're going to check that hashtag at the end of the season, and whoever's done it the most is going to get a special prize from us. So make sure you're doing it, people. Use the hashtag, Always Moto Fantasy League. All right. The league scores. So, so far, overall, this this season so far, I've got 909 points and I'm, you know, going to claim this one for the moment. Benny, you're only on 835, mate. What is going on? Uh, I think I'm going to have to stop doing this podcast. <laughs> ever since I started, ever since we started this fantasy section, it, it hasn't gone well. Uh, and you've even just overtaken me by, I think, you know, how many points was it? Just let me double check. One point in the RM Fantasy one too. So at the moment, you're leading both. I did notice that and I was like, that's pretty good considering I don't really pay too much attention to the RM Fantasy one at all. So I'm like, oh, that's, that's, that's awesome. I'm in front on both both accounts. So awesome. But you've, you've noted down here too, for the round last week at Houston, the guy that won our league, I assume it's a guy, it's Mason, um, was the winner in our league, but also won the whole championship for the round. Yeah, so he had 304 points. And, uh, yeah, when you look in the whole, out of the whole championship, um, yeah, he got he got first with that. So, yeah, for someone in, someone in our league to get, you know, first overall, that's, that's pretty good. Pretty sweet effort there. Um, hopefully he can back it up and maybe go the other way next next time so that we can all get a bit further up in the points. He's That's got to put a fair gap on the pe- on people. I think I got 235, so he's put nearly 
Nearly 70 points on me in one round. That's ridiculous. Yeah, and I'm not. I'm just trying to find where he is actually in the in the overall. league standings in there in our overall, but uh, he's not on the first page from what yeah, I can see. Top fifty there, so maybe he just got lucky and sent it hard at every round, and this one was the one that came off. Where is he? Um, Can't find it. There is a there is a Lockie there in twenty fifth position, which also I think. If oh, you go to... No, no, found it here. He's in 57th overall. Mason, 47. 57th overall with 304 was his best. Yeah, right. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, maybe maybe uh, he did need to make those points up. Yeah, he's got the worst round of 145. He's got to be sending it hard each week by the looks of it. Yeah, he would have had to... Um, yeah, would have had to send it this week. But he played it smart and he picked, you know, Deegan, Hymas and... Cullen Park and then uh, Justin Cooper, so and got really lucky with Moran's. So uh, yeah, he he sent it and he got the results. Yeah. So currently for the overall for our league, it's Dillaway that's leading it on nine nine one from MX Goat on nine eighty seven. We've got to scroll down a fair way to find us. I'm in nineteenth, uh, and this, hold on, I'll just scroll a bit further. It's just click, 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 click. Oh wait, wait, wait. Oh, there you are. You're there, forty six, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Down in forty six <laughs> position. Oh, you're uh, only a couple yeah. of points back and, from um, Clinton Fowler with his Fowler's facts, mate. So you can't be doing too bad. The guy that knows everything about the sport, you're only a couple of points off him. So that's not too bad. Yeah, uh, I just got you know the last two weeks have just been. Really unlucky, but I just um, just remembering back from uh, listening to our podcast today, I'm pretty sure Ratmo was leading with a gap of 20 points last week, yeah. and uh, he's fourth. He's yeah. fourth this week. He's, he dropped way down. He got uh, I don't know if that was this round, but it's, he got 205 as his worst. So I'm assuming that was this past round just gone for him to drop off. So um, I think it was. Yeah. Uh, no. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah he, he got, got his two, worst round. Two, yeah. Two two zeros for him, Jack Chambers and A Ray. So yeah, not a good. That'll I mean, he beat me, but time. not a good week. Yeah. Uh, oh, good. So let's talk teams for this week. What have you got for your two fifties, mate? Uh, so hopefully this week will be a little bit um, going for a little bit more simple. I think. Um, but we'll we'll see. So I've got Hunter as my all star. I mm-hmm. uh, was very happy with Anstey last week. Got me full points with yep. that second. So that was a good choice. Uh, I've got Blos because I expect him to do. He got tenth and he didn't have a very good start last week. So hopefully with a good start he'll get more than tenth, mm-hmm. uh, which should get some points up there. I've got Nate Thrasher. Uh, he's a minus one. Fell over in the sand twice on that corner last week. Uh, so hopefully he doesn't fall over in the sand in a straight line this week. <laughs> One can hope. Uh, but I but I expect him to be up there if he doesn't fall over. Yeah. Uh, and I've got Talon Hawkins out of four. Yeah, right. So he, he, he might change. Uh, that's probably really, I think, the only one that I will change if I do. Um, but, yeah, I couldn't really find anyone else in there that, I thought uh, looked good. It'll you know maybe it'll be him or Cody Shock, I reckon. Yeah. Um, but I'm not sure. 
Yeah, yeah. My, the ones that I had from last week sort of filled the spots that I would have picked for this week. But I think we're going to, f- you and I are probably going to flip flop on the All Stars for the next few rounds. I've gone Ansi this week. You had him last week, and I had Hunter last week. So I think we're going to flip flop that. Um, I've also gone Thrasher just because he's a, you know, he's not an All Star and he's only a minus one, and he could win the race. So he could, you know, max himself out massively. Um, I went Blows as well. I figured he's going to be a reasonable pick to get into the, you know, seven, eight. So hopefully, I'm hoping down to five or six to be honest this week. But uh, we'll see. And then I also picked Jace Owen. He's a four as well. I looked at Hawkins, but I was like, ah, that rookie side of things. I was hoping Owen would be just a little bit more stable for us. And we'll see how that plays out. What? Yeah, well, I've got yeah, – between – yeah, I think Hawkins, Cody Shock, or um, – oh, who was the other one? Hawkins, Shock, or Jace Owen. Yeah, yeah the, you know, they're, they're, the, they're the three that, yeah, you can probably switch around with. Yeah, exactly. So, all right, four fifties. I'll go first. I um, I've gone all star as Aaron Plessinger this week. There's something about what he did last week. I think he's on the rise. So I've gone all Aaron. He's a six. So figured that's pretty good. Um, I've gone Justin Cooper. He's still a two handicap. And if he does anything like what he did last week, he will get decent points again. Um. And that's when I've started running out of options because there's a few people that I don't want to pick that are sitting in the right range. But I've had to pick Colt Nichols and I've gone Justin Starling at a nine. And I'm not sure about... Well, look, Colt will make the main. I'm not sure about Starling and if I want to stick with him. We'll have to see what the times are like on the weekend. Yeah, he pretty sure he's made every race, but yeah, he's gone to the LCQ every race, and he was within just in front of that battle uh, last week. Um, yeah, it's it, I don't think it's as risky as some of the others, uh, but yeah, you might be still on the edge of your seat for a little bit. Yeah, I, I do like my eight from the heats is bliss, so I might just be picking a bit safer on that one. We'll have to see how it goes with the times on uh, on Sunday morning when we're watching him. But, uh, yeah. So who have you got for your 450 team? Uh, so i got Barsha as my all-star. Um, he's been quiet, but good quiet. Uh, he got, what, six last week, so that's not too bad. Uh, but it was between him and AP. Like you said, AP's, you know, um, been doing pretty well and hopefully it's the start of something because I'd love to see him up there, especially when he gets an interview on the on the podium. <laughs> Redneck AP. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've got cheers at the moment, but I want to see what his qualifying's like because, um, I don't know, he was just, just cruising around in the LCQ for a bit there and then it was, you know, a few laps to go and he was just... Then he was must have been like, oh, I better better do something, and then started started going after everyone, and then yeah, we know what happened then. So, <laughs> but he, he owes me to be on the good side this week, so we'll see. <laughs> um, I've got Dean Wilson out of four. He's been doing pretty well. Oh, he's going to get in the main, um, sort of just a smart pick, and I've got AC at the moment. But that could switch for Justin Cooper. I'm not sure. AC was loose last week. Every time I looked at him in the background, he was nearly falling off the bike and had a massive uh, moment in the whoops that could have ended another season. So, yeah, I'm not sure. Not sure how we'll go with that. Oh, I just noticed too. Adam's not actually a, an all-star yet, so he's uh, 
He's still potential double points there. So, yeah, I, I picked him last race. So I can't actually pick him this week. But, um, yeah, he's still not an all-star. Surprising. Yeah, I think he's had, what, 9, 9, 9, 10 or whatever. It is. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, he's, he's beyond, the, don't, he's beyond yeah. the bubble of it. But, yeah, uh, he's probably one you want to probably keep picking and t- up right up until he does get to be an all-star because then he won't be, won't be useful at all at that point. Well, he is... He's eighth in points, and I thought top eight get you all star. <laughs> They've made a mistake here, have they? Oh, is it no? So, um, oh, uh, I just noticed Fernandez has got obviously he's an all star, but he's got the medic symbol on it because he's not going to be racing this weekend. So, who else is we missing here? And maybe well, yeah, Fernandez. I'm just looking at the points now. Fernandez and AC are both on the same amount of points, and they put Fernandez in ninth. Uh, okay, so yes, well, but yes, yeah, so AC should be, AC should be a all star, but he's not because Ferrandis is. Well, maybe hey, here's one for you. You can jump on and say, you know, tweet marks uh, from Pulp there and uh, say we're doing our always moto fantasy pod, and uh, we noticed that you made a boo boo. <laughs> yeah, I might have to actually. I might say, yeah, hey, look in the look at the points. Should they? Yeah. Yeah, should AC but be yeah, an all-star yeah. or not for Anderson? See what they say. And, yeah, just, just drop the always moto bit in there somewhere so that, you know, we get a little plug and away we go. Yep. All right. What about um, what about first of the finish line? Are you going to do it this week or not? I got lucky the other week and I got AC and Jet. Then I got Jet in the Triple Crown. Uh, and I... Think, I think I chose Rocks and, and the Triple Crown as well, and I missed out. Last week, I missed out on both. So that was 14 points that I missed. Uh, it's a full lap this week. So I'm not 100% sure. Um, you've got you know, the start and the left-hander, a rhythm section, and then a big, you know, you've got the big whoop section after that. So that'll sort a few people out. But then once you get over to the back, you've got the big sand section. So... Uh, I don't know. It's a full lap. It's risky, but I don't know. We might have to watch those fake starts in uh, qualifying and see what happens. Yeah, I, I think I'm just out on, on first to the finish line for these things. There's too many variables at the moment. There's not one dead set good starter in either class for me just yet, so I'm just out. <laughs> All right. Yeah, it's, like, it's that easy to lose or gain points, so it's just whatever you choose. Yeah, and I'm not interested in losing points at my own free will, so, yeah, I'm just going to uh, sit that one out and just take what I can get from my, hopefully, eight is bliss straight from the heats. We'll see how we go. All right, anything else on fantasy? Uh, no, I think that is it. All right, well, let's thank those sponsors again one more time. Coastal Motorcycle Centre, Goat Brand MX, Thor MX Australia, Michelin Australia, Ringmaster Images and Hell Tech Australia. Thanks for the support for the Fantasy League prizes. Uh, and remember, always Moto Fantasy and you tag, you use that hashtag, always Moto Fantasy League on your team and you might win another special prize. But let's... Uh, Let's see how the league plays out. We'll get those teams out early morning. It'll be uh, somewhere morning time Sunday when we're posting these up so that we'll put our final teams up. So as much as we said something here now, much like last week where I was saying Norin and Chiz, uh, he might not be even on my team by the time that comes around. So 
have to wait and see. All right, let's take a break here on the Always Motor Podcast. We'll be back uh, with the emergency department. This is Derek Kelly, and you're listening to the Always Motor Podcast. All right, people, we are back and ready to go. We're going to head into that emergency department right now. The emergency department. All the injuries, all the gory details, and when they'll be back on track. It's the list you really don't want to be on. You do not want to be on that list, uh, this list, and unfortunately a few too many people joined this weekend after Houston. It was a busy round there for the injuries, unfortunately, and the main one that we're going to talk about here on the emergency department this week is obviously Dylan Ferrandis and his Monster Energy Star Racing Yamaha uh, managed to climb on top of Ken Roxon at some point uh, there after the whoops and over that double there before the um, bridge jump and managed to knock himself out. He was out for quite some time. Uh, reports are it was a sort of sort of in the range of two minutes that he was unconscious. And as everyone saw, he would have stand up, and we talked about it a little bit earlier in the show here, but he stood up and walked off with a neck brace on, which was a bit bizarre. But anyway, the issues here for Dylan are the time that he was unconscious for, and then obviously because he was unconscious, AMA has a, uh, a concussion protocol that he will have to follow. Now, the trick around, or not trick, but the process around the com- protocol commencement is interesting there is some information that's part of this concussion protocol that not everybody will understand or or follow uh, until they need to know right so the concussion protocol requires you to um, be do the impact test prior to the season starting you have to do that every two years no matter what so that you have a baseline setting and we've talked about this before on the show but for the newer listeners we're going through it again and we'll probably go through it again in a couple of months time when it happens again for somebody else but so you've got to do this impact test. It's an online test. It's a cognition test. You've got to basically go through, click the boxes, problem solve, all these sorts of bits and pieces to show that your brain is functioning and working and you're able to solve some basic problems online. There is a version that's done in person uh, for your balance and for your coordination and your eye tracking. And that's what the uh, Alpine Star Medic Rig uh, doctors will do. They will do that on site as a reason to prove or disprove that you are passed or on protocol um, or cleared from protocol. And to commence that process of going onto a concussion protocol, you've got to be diagnosed with having a concussion. Now, obviously, Dylan being unconscious there, they've determined that he would have had a concussion. The commencement of then the second part of this is the uh, return to ride AMA protocol that they have in place, which is a six-day Six day, five day. Hold on two seconds right here. Let me check this out. It is a five day protocol. Sorry, guys and girls. I got my numbers a bit out there. So it was five days. Um, and each day, each day, it's for five stage. It takes minimum of five days because each stage is 24 hours for it to be completed. You can't do a stage quicker than that. You have to be symptom free for that whole day before you can progress to the next one which is a progression of physical tasks and you can't start riding until the fourth day of that protocol. So it's built that way so that it's reloading the body or restraining the body at an incremental rate to see if your um, concussion symptoms have resolved. And if at any point you have a headache, blurred vision, inability to maintain balance, um, you know, excessive heart rate for low activity of exercise, Those things will then cause you to stay on a stage or potentially go back a stage to ensure that you are, you know, recovering appropriately from the concussion. Now, that's all well and good. 
that's a reasonable plan in place. It does mean that most cases uh, you'll have seen previously where riders will have a concussion on Sunday and then by then or Saturday night and by the next Saturday they're racing again because that protocol can be done in that five to six day window. So most of them will obviously have the concussion on Saturday. They will see their doctor Monday morning, commence the program, and by Saturday at the next race, they have done their five phases or stages, and they have uh, cleared on at the by the Alpine Star Medic rig and the impact test on the Saturday morning to resume racing. And that's what happened earlier this season with Colby Cop, uh, one of the red flags from one of the prior events uh, here this season, and it was done in that period of time. It's happened many times. It's it's a normal process. What I would like to see is that sort of have a bit more of a graded stage in it uh, where there's a, there's a rating of the initial concussion in terms of it's a minor, mild and severe and then maybe those ones, the, minor, the mild ones can do the five, day, five phases and be back for the next week but maybe the mild one needs a minimum of one week off and maybe the severe one requires a minimum of two or three or four weeks depending on what we, we determine from the literature and that side of things as to be an appropriate time frame off. At this stage, there's nothing fixed in those to say that you have to miss any events. It just means that you have to do these five phases over f- five days. Something I think could be worked on a little bit better. Now, the part that gets interesting that nobody really would have picked up on and it's how do you begin the protocol? Um, the protocol is commenced once you have seen your doctor now you ha- and and you have to have been uh cleared out now let me check this too yeah so the you you've got to see your doctor and you can't start those five phases unless your um, doctor allows you to commence that so basically there's an initial initial screening a day or so after that concussions occurred and if your doctor believes that you are appropriate to commence that uh, first stage of the return the ride program, then that's when your date starts. But if you see your doctor and they deem that you still got a headache and you're still a bit lethargic and you're still a bit blurred vision, they will go, right, come back and see me in another day or in another two days or another week, whatever it might be, and say, look, you can't commence this protocol until those things have resolved because they are going to be um, their precursors to having a, a long-standing post-concussion um, symptoms. So, depending on which physician you see and obviously what you present like at that time is dependent on when that protocol starts. Now, in this case for Dylan, I believe that he might be actually missing this weekend. That's what's been reported across some other media sources so far this week. We haven't been able to reach Dylan directly or the team. Nobody will comment on that side of stuff. It gets very funny. They all clam up when he asks about injury questions and don't want to provide information along too much. But we understand he'll miss that round. Now, that might be because his physician deemed him as, at the time um, or the Alpine Star Medic rig said to him, you know, that concussion was too severe or you still have symptoms. You need to delay your process just a tiny bit um, before we start the Return the Ride program. So he apparently is going to miss this weekend. He's hoping to be back for the following weekend, which will be that make-up round for Oakland. So interesting to know that stuff. But, yes, there is that five five-phase, five-day minimum process for the return to ride program. There is the impact test that's done online. There is a version that they do face-to-face, but you can't commence that return to ride program until your physician instructs you to do so. So a little catch in that whole program there. 
So let's get back into that main part of the injury list. So obviously Dylan Frandis we just talked about. Preston Kilroy, number 71 on that Club MX Yamaha, injured in Houston, managed to fly off a berm and land on the concrete and unfortunately uh, broke both wrists. Now we don't have details on what type of breaks and if they've required surgery or not. Understandably, Preston probably is not too fast on the uh, keyboard on the phone at this point in time, so he hasn't returned our communications, but I, I'm sure Preston will get back to us at some point soon. We've spoken to Preston before here with Always Moto, and he's um, usually pretty good with that information. So best of luck with his recovery. Hopefully it's all going well. But I know for a fact that the, the both uh, wrist fractures... They're not easy to live with uh, over the next few weeks while you're in casts and, you know, limited movements and can't grab on hold of things and, you know, just the simple things is like wiping your own butt become quite difficult when you're in two casts. So I don't envy the position he's in at the moment and he probably is not looking forward to how things are going at the moment either. So it's going to be a couple of rough couple of weeks for Preston, but hopefully we'll hear from him soon. It'll be a minimum of sort of six to eight weeks for him that he's off the bike, maybe longer depending on whether he needed surgery for one or both um, and what that was required. But at this stage, I would expect that he's not going to be back until very late in the Supercross season, if, if at all, and more likely be back for the start of outdoors, which is unfortunate because he just got that fill-in ride for Club MX Yamaha. Nick Romano. Nick Romano is an interesting one. He's that 54 on the Monster Energy Star Racing Yamaha. He missed the opening round of Houston here and was some interesting information about, a, you know, they've, they said about a crash that happened in January. Turns out that that was actually an AC joint, so where your collarbone meets your shoulder blade. An AC joint sprain, grade three. Not too big of an issue, those. They, they are, uh, you know, reasonably, uh, recover reasonably okay. Sort of a four-week time frame for those sorts of things out to six he said he was back on the bike in about three or so weeks which is you know expected usually respond pretty well to being taped uh, to help hold the collarbone down and in place but he then tells us now after the fact that the few days before houston he actually had another issue where he's injured his knee and this has led to a acl and medial meniscus tear now for nick that basically spells the end of 2023 without it even really getting off the ground. Unfortunately, those things are going to be at least a six-month recovery time frame. That puts him out to sort of August before he starts riding, uh, which means he's probably not racing until September. And by September, we are already at the Super Motocross playoff rounds and he would not have qualified for those at that point. So season pretty much done and dusted for Nick without even getting anywhere to the rounds yet, which sucks, really sucks. Um, and so, look, that leaves him in a precarious position. I dare say his ride with Star Racing might be a little bit questionable, not having raced very much. He, I don't know what the details of his deal are, if he's got another year on that contract or not, but could be an interesting time for him trying to find another ride because he's literally only done a couple of the motocross rounds last year as a rookie. This was meant to be the start of his you know, real racing career here with the star racing guys and Supercross and all that sort of stuff. So bad timing, um, shit happens. It is what it is. He will have to go through that long process of recovery and hopefully he'll be back and able to get a decent ride for 2024. All right, next on the list is Ryder Floyd. We don't have massive details here for him, but he had reported that he had a preseason injury. No details on what that was. He did attempt to race at Houston, was unable to get through his day there, uh, and he's going to be taking a week or so off. He's planning to be back for Arlington. Um, we've reached out to Ryder. Hopefully we'll hear some more information about that shortly, and we'll bring it to you here on the podcast when we know. 
Jared Lesher, number 412, privateer Yamaha, had a crash in the whoops in Houston. Not massive details here, but he did smash his chest into the crossbar, had to go to the emergency room to get checked for internal injuries, uh, but he seems to be okay. He has indicated per his social media updates that he will be back at Tampa this week. So it'll be interesting to see how he goes with that and if he can get through that without too much hassles. Um, now, we've been chatting with um, Devin Raper a little bit. He had a crash in Houston, but it was reported to be from a pre-existing injury that was a nerve injury in his arm. Um, and the crash in Houston ended up being pretty hard. He's going to take a couple of weeks off just to try and get things a little bit further along in the recovery. He was trying to get through, you know, ride through that injury as many people do. But he's just going to take a couple of weeks off and see if he can get uh, a bit more, you know, stronger, recovered and have a better run. He's hoping to be back um, again by Arlington as well. Another privateer on a gas gas this time. It's Doc Smith, number 464. Had a crash in the whoops at, at Houston as well. Managed to bang his shoulder up a bit. No real injuries here other than just the obvious bruising and swelling that's gone on. Uh, and Doc is going to be racing Tampa this weekend. He's trying to make his first night show, so we'll have to see how he goes and if he can get through the day without any more aggravations to that shoulder. One that we sort of missed here in all the, um, in all the updates in the past few weeks leading into Houston for the East Coast opener, TJ Albright, number 116, who's going to be on, was going to be on a private to Yamaha this season. Uh, had an injury before the season started and he's out for a few weeks. No details by TJ. Again, reached out to him but haven't got a response as yet. Uh, he is just, um, you know, just ha- needs a few weeks off according to his update. I'd say that means that he possibly broke something along the lines of like a hand or a collarbone. Uh, so I would expect him to be back for that round 13 in Atlanta when the East Coast swing kicks back into play after a couple of weeks of West Coast there in the middle of the season. So there's a bit happening there for, for these guys and a few more details I've got to follow up on and bring to you guys and girls listening there for the Always Motor podcast in coming shows. But we've got the basis of the information ready to go here. Uh, we just got to get a couple more details. But yeah, the, the Dylan Ferrandis one was, was not good. Obviously, that red flag that resulted from it in the main there. And also, he's going to have some time off. Preston Kilroy, definitely not good. And Nick Romano, definitely not good either. Um, he's added to the ACL count now. And I think we're sort of in the four or so range for the ACLs already in 2023, which is not good. All right, let's take a break here on the Always Moto podcast. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Scott Meshi, number 411, and you're listening to the Always Moto podcast. All right, joining us this week on the Always Moto podcast, he's uh, fresh from the main event at Houston when the East Coast kicked off here. He's riding for the Partzilla Team PRMX. He's number 170. It's Devin Simonson. How are we doing, Devin? I'm doing good. Uh, thanks for having me on. No, I appreciate the time, mate. And um, good to uh, chat to another new voice on the podcast here. Your first time for you. So, um, yeah, nice, to, nice to, that you can join us. Um, bit of a, a good but bad start to Houston for you, I guess you'd say. The, you made it to the main event, but the main event didn't last too long. How, how was all that for you on, as that opening round for East Coast? Yeah, um, honestly, like I, I was pretty stoked just to make it straight through the the heat race. Like, um, especially after practice, like uh, I was kind of bummed with myself. Just I, I knew I was capable of a lot more, like uh, as far as faster, faster time and uh, better qualifying. So I was kind of like bummed out, and then uh, I kind of was just focusing on the heat race. Like I knew I was I was a good starter on the Cowie, and um, like I said, Partzilla PRMX bike is 
an absolute rocket this year. So I was pretty confident in my start, knowing uh, going up to the gate, like knowing I could get out front. And that's pretty much what I did. And yeah, so I made it through straight to the heat race with an eighth. Um, then, yeah, the main event came around and I felt really good. Uh, I had a pretty bad start from the outside and that was my mistake, really. I uh, just kind of made a dumb move coming into the first term and let off kind of early. And then, uh, yeah, I had a little uh, bike malfunction. Pipe ended up breaking and then uh, ended up cutting the back brake line. So instead yeah. of just rolling up, going around for the 15 minutes, I decided to pull off and, uh, yeah whatever it is what it is yeah look racing happens doesn't it sometimes and you know parts unfortunately don't make it through some of the competition needs at times but um, right. yeah look obviously there's a, it always comes around next week to go again so you know you get another opportunity yeah exactly that's uh that's the good thing about racing dirt bikes i guess you always got the weekend after to make up for it so yeah exactly so how is the how has been the prep um coming into this year um how's the training and 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 everything with the with the bike set up in general I, I gather you're reasonably comfortable you sound pretty happy from what you just said there about the speed of the bike at least yeah no it's uh it's been awesome tim from uh tcd is has really like took it up a notch with the suspension type of side of things and um, I've been really like enjoying it and the training wise, like I, I had a pretty good off season. I couldn't really like ask for much better. I, I mean, as far as the, the big thing was like rain really, that's like, was kind of holding us back. And luckily we were pretty good on that for a while. So, uh, yeah, it, it was all good. Now you mentioned, um, in some of the texts when we were setting up the interview that you're at, um, South of the border, how's that set up for you with the, the facility in terms of giving you that access to, to training and, and gym and tracks and stuff? I gather that's helping you get all this going. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. Honestly, like, uh, we have the whole like parts of the PRMX team here. So all my teammates train with me every day and we got the gym. I'm, I literally stay like 200 feet from the gym maybe. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, we have like two, we have two supercross tracks on, on, uh, campus or whatever you would say. And then, um, yeah, so everything we need is, is right here. And luckily, uh, SOB helps out the team and we have a, a, a shop here as well. So, um, it's, it's nice for sure. Is it nice to be able to just sort of walk, like like you said, 200 feet or whatever, you know, to, to get to the gym that sort of reduces the excuses of, oh, my car didn't start that morning or whatever. And then obviously you can go and check on how the race bike or whatever's looking, you know, in the shop during the week and talk to, talk to the mechanic and stuff as it's all happening. Like it must be nice to be able to see it all there and just have it, you know, so close handy. Yeah, no, it's, it's super nice. Like, um, for a while, like I stayed like an hour or so from here. So I would just drive back and forth every day. Yeah. And, uh, now to then, like it's, it's way more enjoyable just getting up and yeah, everything's here. You know, like I make breakfast in the morning and then I go straight to the gym. Like I said, yeah, it's 200 feet. So then I go back and, uh, get on the bike, start riding around like 10, 10 AM. And then it's, uh, back to the gym when I get done and yeah, everything being right here just makes it so much like more, uh, enjoyable and, I guess less time time consuming as well you know you don't have to have those hour-long commutes each way or or to the gym here you know it's uh, everything's right here that you need so do you find then that like from say when you were commuting that hour to now when you're just walking across the you know across the, uh, the driveway or whatever um that you do you find that your fatigue level is less because you're not spending that you know that extra energy not getting up that extra hour earlier say to do the travel like is that helping from a fatigue point of view um, to be quite honest, like I, I've never, like, I never really have noticed it. No. Um, yeah, really haven't noticed that. Okay. To be, uh, like to be completely 
it's more of just like a like a time thing like I, i'm big on, i like i like to sleep you know i like to get my my hours in and yep. uh <laughs> having to get up that extra hour early you know some days is really hurting and then uh, other days you know it, it is what it is but yeah no i i couldn't really couldn't say yes or no on the fatigue side of things okay. like noticing well i would expect that at some point you might you know pick up that later in the season maybe as the season's you know sort of six seven rounds in that 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 extra effort that you would have had to have done you know the year before or whatever might not be there so it might just you might notice it then but yeah no look it's just it's interesting to see how those sort of facility setups when you're on site everything's accessible how much it changes you know your perceptive perception of of the effort and 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 what you've got to do each week because it's so close handy so yeah it's just interesting to hear that point of view from from you guys that are living on site basically yeah and again too so like i the last time i I drove that hour each way was um almost well yeah like a year ago so then again like I'm, i might not necessarily remember you know like i i could have been felt some fatigue that them days and then just not not really notice now because i've been here for so long so yeah. uh yeah very true yeah very true now one thing that sort of caught my eye with your update that you popped out on on the socials there after after houston was your recovery from from last season from an injury uh, for a concussion and some of the treatments that you went through when did that um, concussion occur and, and what led you to um, go to that functional neurology center that I've, I've seen a few other guys using as well um, to sort of help with the post-concussion symptoms and such? How did you end up there as well? Um, yeah, so I got that, I uh, had the concussion, um, let's see, the week before St. Louis Supercross. Um, I can as believe a, it was like practice the, the- crash sort of thing. Yep, yep. Um, the exact date I want to say it was like April third. Um, it was like that that Tuesday or Wednesday before. Yeah. Um, and yeah, pretty much how how I ended up at like the front the functional neurology was. Um, I had a lot of like people kind of um, you know, like shoot me their way, like uh, you know, you should go check them out, check this place out, and um, I really liked. Uh, I spoke to the Dr. Schmo on the phone, and I really liked what he was about, and like he. He actually went to um, Minneapolis Supercross that year, mm-hmm. um, which was our first round of the East Coast. So he actually like kind of knew what what we were doing and and uh, trying to get done out there. And as far as like you know having to be on par with your with your head and you can't have anything holding you back. So I, I really just liked how he he kind of knew what we, we what we needed to do. And um, yeah, so that's that's pretty much how I ended up there, and uh, it it worked out really well. So. So, because like it's it's in it's in Minnesota or something, isn't it? So it's not like it's a I gather it wasn't too local to you at that point either. Did you have to go and stay out there for a couple of weeks or something, or what? How did that work for you? Uh, yeah. So I set up a date with them. Um, it was probably I think I honestly I waited a little while because with um, what I had going on, which was post concussion syndrome, um, I didn't really know like when it would get better and and how long it would take. Yep. So before I ended up out there, uh, I ended up like waiting like two months. Um, the, and it wasn't because, you know, uh, because they were taking, taking a while. It was just on me. Like I wanted to wait and see, you know, if it got better before I, mm. before I took the trip out. Sure. Yeah. And, save um, it resolved by itself rather than having to spend the money and the right. time I gather. Yeah. Right. Right. So, uh, and yeah, so anyways, I ended up getting on a flight and I think it was like a couple hour flight. Um, and then, yeah, I, just got a hotel for the week that was relatively close and um 
just walked back and forth pretty much every day. Um, we had, I did like a all intensive like care week and I think it was we are, I was pretty much there I'd say from like nine to about three or four every day just oh, working wow. on different stuff. Yeah, okay. So yeah, well, you, it, you had to go through I gather a few different places. I had to check it there. I've looked at their this their treatment plans and stuff and obviously they got their gyro ball that everyone sort of sees as a social post that gets the interest in, but they've got a few other um, therapy lines that you, I gather you go through over those couple of hours that you're saying you're there for. Yeah, I did like a a lot of hyperbaric chamber. Um, Yeah. Like you said, the gyro stem, um, a lot of like uh, stem, uh, I'm not even sure exactly what I want to say. It was like stem cell. Maybe they were, uh, they would put me on this table and pretty much like lay me uh, like upside, like vertical Mm -hmm. and uh, like shock and stuff sort of like the it's pretty much like a almost like it was, they were shocking you with a nine volt battery but it wasn't you know <laughs> yep <laughs> feel like uh, a lab rat at that like, point yeah <laughs> like that um but yeah just all kinds of different stuff and like honestly like when i when i was there like i i wasn't too sure like how how it was gonna work you know um and uh i was honestly like very surprised um when i when i got done with everything like the it I can say like it, it helped for sure. So did you notice that change in, in terms of those post-concussion symptoms? Obviously like day one when you walk out, you're probably feeling rather fatigued from all the high concentration side of things that you had to do with it. But did it did you feel better straight away or did it wasn't until the end of the week and you stopped going that you noticed that it finally, you know, that it kicked over, that, that, that the symptoms had sort of settled? Um, so I wouldn't even really say it was like that week either. You know, um, like we did a lot of stuff that week, eye movement, like, yeah. um, there's a lot of eye stuff, just all kinds of stuff really. And, uh, so yeah, I wouldn't say it would, it was that week. And then, you know, they sent me home with like a bunch of, you know, my own like exercises yeah. and stuff to do yeah. at home. Well, I did those for shoot, maybe two or three more months Yeah, like, okay. Interesting. every day, yeah. every, every day, three times a day. Um, just, you know again it was like my eye movements were really out of whack and uh i had like a I honestly i had a pretty bad like head trimmer as well okay um yeah. so like yeah they gave me a bunch of you know exercises to do at home so like over over from that week that i went there to you know the couple months after like is when i noticed the the biggest improvements so no, that's good. Uh, um, it's kind of interesting that they, one, obviously had that intensive week to set all this up, but it's awesome that they send you home and that you, and then you were actually able to, you know, follow through on that regularity of the ongoing treatment yourself um, and get that good effect because a lot of these things, not just for concussions, but for any rehab, um, you know, we, we as the treatment professional, like me being physio, we send people home with exercises all the time and it's sort of a hit and miss task as to whether they're going to do them properly or not or, or they might say to you oh yeah i did it once but i i didn't really do it the rest of the week like you told me to and you're like well that's why you're not getting better you know so it's awesome that you to hear that you did it so regularly and obviously you got good benefit from it in the end right yeah no and for me like i i mean obviously i've, I've hurt myself before and like yeah i might not have done my my physical therapy that like i should have but like this time like it was it was kind of like a make or break deal. Like, like I, I either did it and it, and it worked or uh, I just kept struggling on you know? And so I really just wanted to do a, as much as I could and uh, try to get back to normal. Do you think, and this is a funny question for you, but do you think you did that this time around because it was your head and, and, and the brain and like, you know, in other times it might've been a, a hand or a foot or something like that. And it's like, ah, it'll get there when it gets there sort of thing. Like, do you think because it was your head and obviously it's impacting 
your concentration, your ability to do other things that you paid more attention to that rehab? Yeah, definitely. Like a hundred percent. I would say that, um, yeah, like this is probably that my head injury was probably one of the gnarliest things I've ever like had to deal with and go through. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I would definitely say that for sure. Yeah. Right. No, that's all good. So, Look, appreciate you running through that stuff. It's interesting because concussions for us, you know, in our sport happen, unfortunately, too regularly. Um, and, you know, it's nice yeah. to hear some of these other parts that you can get to to help with those symptoms. And obviously that that neurology center, it seems to be getting a little bit more popular. Like I said, I've seen it a few times now for different riders going there. So it's obviously doing some good work. But so how is it, when did all that sort of finish for you and when were you able to start getting into normal training again for, for, for this season? Was it, was it much of a, was there a big time frame in that for you? Did you, ha- did you feel like you're running out of time to get ready? Uh, yeah, yeah. So honestly, like there was a point in time, like I, I told my parents, like, you know, I, if I have to take this whole year off, like that's just what I'm going to have to do, you know? Like I, I, I want to continue racing. Like this is what I love. This is what I've done my, my whole life. So like I, I obviously wasn't thinking about quitting. Like if, if anything, I was like, I'll go get a day job and, and, you know, work. And then whenever I feel good again, like I'll I'll go back to racing, you know? Um, but yeah, so really from like the day that it happened, I think until I started riding, I want to say it was six or seven months. Oh, Um, okay. That was a long time. Yeah. It happened in April. And like I said, I, I took, uh, I actually, I ended up trying to race St. Louis, um, because I went and got checked out by the doctors and all just, you know, rest a few days. You have a slight concussion, you'll be fine, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, me just being the, the person that I am. And like, I was like, I put too much time in not to try to go race, you know? Um, so yeah, I ended up trying to go race and I was just, oh, I was just off, you know? Yeah. And then, uh, came home and, uh, told, told the team owner, Julian, like, I was like, you know, this isn't working. Like I need to, I need to figure out what's going on and rest. And, uh, Luckily, he was he's been behind me since since then, and um, yeah. So, pretty much from April, I think I started back riding um, late October, the beginning of November, maybe. Okay, it's um, a decent time that give, you've taken to give yourself there. So yeah, it's good. Yeah, yeah. Give give or take a few weeks, you know, and mm-hmm. and yeah, like I said, like I I was kind of nervous, like for a while. I, I I'll be completely honest, like I I wouldn't even drive, like I probably didn't drive a car for like two months um maybe even longer like yeah it it was a struggle like just i never really have dealt with any anxiety or like having panic attacks or anything like that and um they they were coming about like regularly every day um for no reason like just i would just start freaking out and uh there was nothing i could really do about it and then uh yeah finally after like two or three months of that like i said i got into the functional neurology and like Mm. from day one like they just made me feel better about what I had going on. Like just to know it was okay. Like I would just yep. feel, feel off and just not feel like all the way there. And then I would start, you know, freaking myself out and <laughs> just not, yeah, it's not, not a good, not a good thing to do, but it's tough. And you know, when you feel like that and you know, you're not supposed to. So yeah, it's um, they hard just when you don't me. understand it either. Like it, there's no reason for yeah. it that you can put your finger on as the what's causing it. And that's what makes it a lot harder for you guys. But yeah, obviously the, the treatment team sounds like they've done the right things, like to make you comfortable straight away in, in what's going on. That's, that's a big trust thing that you've got to have in that, in that um, therapist, you know? So that's, that's awesome that they're able to give that to you straight away. Yeah. I mean, literally like the first day I went there, like, yeah, like we know, we understand, like you're, you're fine. Like, you know what I mean? Like you'll, 
we we see this every day like you you're you know what i mean it's mm. it's not a you know it's not a dying thing like you're, you're gonna be fine like we'll, we'll get you dialed and yeah like like i said and then like i said earlier like i wasn't too sure about it you know i was kind of like yeah 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 like whatever and then <laughs> after the week yeah and then like after the week i was like dang like i kind of do feel better you know like <laughs> oh, that's and awesome. then uh yeah they sent me home with the, the bunch of stuff to do and it, it worked out and then so i was stoked oh great so looking at this year now obviously with all that behind you where are we looking at expectations for what you're trying to do this supercross season yeah i mean like i would say this past weekend in houston was a was a good start for me like I, it felt like a big monkey off my shoulders, really, like just making the main event straight to the heat race. Like uh, I didn't really know what to expect, especially going through all that last year. Um, I just, I was, I was just personally pumped to be out there racing again, like with with the best of the best of the best. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I was, I was stoked to make the main event, and then, uh, yeah, I, I wanted to do better in the main event. I think um, overall, my goal by the end of the season, you know, is to crack some top tens. I know I'm, I'm capable of it. Um, just gotta, it's gotta have everything kind of go right with as far as the bike and how I feel and, uh, yeah, just get a good start and yeah. Well, you sound like you've been putting in the work like this week, obviously when we're trying to set this up. You're saying that you've been in the gym, you've been long days riding. So obviously the work side of things is happening. It's just, yeah, make it, make it happen on the day. Nice, but that you were able to prove to yourself after that long time off too, that you can go straight into a main event after, you know, after all this time. So it sort of reinforces that the work was worthwhile. Yeah, no, yeah, for sure. Like, all of parts of the PRMX team, we've been putting in the overtime for sure. Like, just trying to get comfortable. And like I said, yeah, taking that 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 amount of time off. Like when I first got back riding, I, I felt like a fish out of water. I was like, dude, <laughs> I do bet, I even know yeah. how to. Scrub I was like, do I know how to scrub anymore? Like, do I know how to whip? <laughs> the simple things in life, eh? Hey, can I do that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, can I do that? And then I would do it, and I'd be like, oh yeah, that, that, that's sick. Heck yeah, like yeah, that's. And then right. uh, yeah, yeah, so just. Yeah, just little stuff like that, and and then it even comes to that, like with racing, like you're like, oh man, can I can I skim those whoops? Like they look pretty gnarly, and then you do it, and you're like, oh, sh-. like okay, I got that, you know? Yeah. Um. So just stuff like that, just kind of getting getting my feet back wet, and uh, yeah, I mean, last year I had a pretty struggle of a year, even the rounds that I did race. So like I said, I was stoked just to make it to the main event, like straight through the heat. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So. No, it's good. Good start for the year, mate. To get into the main is always a good thing. So hopefully this weekend in Tampa, you'll be able to do similar. Yeah, no, that's the goal. And I even, I even want to be like, uh, I think my goal for this weekend is even shooting for a top 10, really. Like there's no, no reason why I shouldn't be able to get up in there and with a good start and ride like I know how can or no ride like I know how. Um, yeah, I don't see why I couldn't. Yeah, man, man, set set the set the goals high, and um, how's the saying goes, shoot for the stars and land on the moon or whatever. So yeah, just um, right. just, just put it up there and see where it gets to. Yeah, can't can't complain yeah. at that point, mate. So no, awesome. Look, appreciate the time. It's a great chat with you, Devin, about these. Uh, you know, one the one what you're doing now, but also that that bit with the concussion. Awesome information for everybody listening out there, and and um, perfect time on the Always Moto podcast to to be talking about that sort of stuff. So really appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. And uh, hopefully I can help out somebody that maybe is going through the similar thing. Like, uh, it's definitely tough. But if anybody's going through it, you're you're probably not the only one. Or you, you aren't the only one. There's, there's you know, plenty of people that, uh, that get concussions and deal with the same type of stuff. You just got to find the right people to help you out. So, 
Yeah, definitely. Well said. Well said. Yeah, and and lots of people do need to just find that right place, and and maybe that um, that functional neurology center is it for a lot of people in the states there. But yeah, there's plenty of plenty of different options for those sorts of treatments and interventions. So you just got to it's got to have a little bit of a Google. But yeah, no, I appreciate you sharing that. It, it was awesome. Yeah. Thanks again, mate. Um, we'll, we'll wrap it up there, mate. Thanks for that. Thanks for the interview. Yeah, no, thank you. I appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks, Devin. I'm Kyle Greeson, and you're listening to the Always Moto Podcast. And we're back, guys and girls. Thanks for sticking around. Thanks for listening to that interview there with Devin Simonson. Some pretty good stuff in that one. Uh, he was pretty open, too, about that concussion side of things. And uh, nice to talk to him about how he's going this season so far and his plans and all that sort of stuff. So we appreciate his time on the Always Moto Podcast. Now, we're almost done, guys and girls, but stick around for just a second longer. Don't forget to send us those T-shirt orders. Uh, send them through to info at alwaysmoto.com with that shot, with that T-shirt size and we'll get back to you about purchase price and all that sort of stuff. Uh, we'll be able to purchase these shortly through the website, but for now it's not up and running. But we're just going to say the name of it so it starts to stick in the brains and you know where to look. It's alwaysmoto.com. Remember, follow us on social media to stay up to date on all things injury in moto. Search Always Moto on your favorite social media platform and then follow and subscribe. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast feed so you don't miss an episode. And I say this all the time, all the time. Make sure if your app, podcast app allows, please leave us a rating and it will help us get found and have more listeners and we'll be able to get more sponsors and more giveaways and it'll be good for everybody. So please do that. I would really appreciate it. Thank you. All right. And finally, don't forget to check out all of our written articles over on fullnoise.com.au and soon to be alwaysmoto.com as well. But that's it for another show. Thanks to Polar Australia. Thanks to Slamboard Guy for the show support. And thanks to our Fantasy League sponsors, Coastal Motorcycle Centre, Goat Brand MX, Thor MX Australia, Michelin Australia, Ringmaster Images, Helltech Australia. Thanks to the Always Moto Contractor. Thanks, guys and girls, for listening. Remember, you've got to be smooth to be fast because if you're not, I'll probably be seeing you deep in the emergency department, maybe even the clinic, having strapping tape thrown wherever it will stick. Till next week.